Serious question. Is there such a thing as too much ham? Not if you ask Mitch Edwards from Pork Australia. There will be leftover roast chicken because there was the ham there to detract from the roast chicken. Um, and that other dry meat, the turkey, that'll be leftover as well. Today on the show, our chief restaurant critic, Pat Nurse, is here to help you nail Christmas. First up, he talks ham hacks with Mitch to get you prepped for Christmas Day. And after that, it's over to entertaining with Melbourne chef Matt Wilkinson and his partner Charlie Gibb. We don't actually cook in the kitchen together. That would be mad. That'd be crazy. <laughs> it's like having two head chefs. It just never really works. <laughs> I'm Maggie Scardifield, and welcome to Gourmet Traveller's Set Menu. Here's Pat and Mitch. We're in the supermarket, or maybe better still, we're visiting our, our favourite butcher. We've found maybe a choice of Australian hams, a couple of different hams on the bone. How can we pick a really fantastic Australian ham from one that's just merely excellent? I would actually recommend trying to sample the ham, but I would look for size-wise, 10 to 12 kilos. Um, our Fleischmeisters, who, who do our ham judging, suggest that it's from a bigger pig, so it'll be more flavoursome. Fleischmeister. Yeah, Fleischmeister. Let's save that word for a moment. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Fleischmeister. Master, a master of small woods. Ah, oh, fantastic. And they recommend that particular weight they, range they say for the size, yeah. macul- maximum succulence and deliciousness. But also looking for like smooth, even colour of the skin, um, not bubbled, um, good, like good texture of the skin, smell and aroma. Mm. You, want to, you want to smell some smokiness mm. because it's all about having a beautiful, smoked, seasoned piece of pork. So we've found our ham. We've dragged it back to the lair. How do we get it ready? So you've got your ham, it's sealed in plastic, you take the plastic off, it's got a nice bit of evenly cured skin on the outside. We want to hoe into that baby. How do we do it? Talk us through it, Mitch Edwards. If it's a whole ham, start at the end away from the from the hock, from the leg, from the foot end. The handle, as I like the to hand, call the it. The handle, yeah. Slip your fingers under the skin, and I'll do, I'm doing this with actual motions for those that can't see. You can see this at home, right? So slip your fingers under the skin, pushing it back gently all the way to the hock, then fold the skin off. And you want to kind of keep the skin attached a little bit at the hock yeah. end so you can then fold it back over as a natural, magical ham cover, right? That's right, to keep, to keep in the moisture. Yeah. Um, then you are going to start carving from the end away from the handle and basically coming straight down to the bone. And it makes it easier if you do a little nick over the bone and continue to nick over the bone so that when you cut down, cut, cut from the fat surface at the top down to the bone, it should come away nice and easily. And that way it makes it easy prior to Christmas when the ham's in the fridge, you can sneak the ham out of the fridge and take a quick slice to keep you going. <laughs> Controversial question, Mitch. Glaze or not glaze? I love a glazed ham on the on the Christmas table. Yeah. I just think it's just such a joyous celebration. Um, I'm, I'm happy to eat a good Australian ham any way I can. But, the, but for glazing, though, it can be all about visual, but it also can be like a baked ham, which actually can really heighten the flavour. I did my first glazed ham last year. I've, ham is a, a staple of the nurse family table at Christmas, absolutely 100%. It is not Christmas without ham. But... Due to complaints from the family about the oven size, we've never attempted the glaze. Last year, it turns out the oven's actually perfectly big enough to do this. And it's remarkably easy. And it's such a great showpiece. Absolutely. It really does say, hello, 
It's Christmas. And it's kind of hard to get it wrong because the ham's already cooked. Yeah. You do the cool, groovy scoring thing, you know, cutting the lines in the ham and then sticking the, the cloves in it to give it the diamond pattern. Or perhaps you could do the groovy, uh, contemporary, same direction lines. I don't know what the, the trade term the, for that the technical, is. The technical nap that is same direction lines. Same direction lines, absolutely. Yeah. You, or you could feel free to express yourself, I think maybe with some sort of barometric pressure thing around <laughs> the ham. I don't know. But then you whack your glaze on. There's a million and a half glaze recipes on gourmettraveler.com.au. I think I might have just made mine up by taking something that was kind of sweet, something that was kind of sharp, and something that was kind of mustardy. It might have been mustard. Mixing them together and brushing them on the ham. And i got to tell you, I gave, it gave me a pretty good result. Mine's pretty similar to that. It's the stuff that's kind of in the cupboard. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And sweet, savory, mustardy, maybe some sour in there as well. Yeah. And the cloves have to go into the middle of the diamond. Do not, people not get that right? Sometimes, well, maybe I did get it wrong the first time. <laughs> I put them into the corners of the diamonds, basically not realizing that they were there for a purpose. They're there to hold the little diamonds in place. Ah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Breakthrough. Light bulb, light bulb moment with clothes yeah. and ham. It's Boxing Day. The best day of Christmas as far as I'm concerned. Relatives gone, presents opened, fights done. We have some ham left over. I like to eat it just standing in the fridge with beer in one hand and a carving knife in the other. But ham being a versatile thing, there are options. What are your go-tos for, for Boxing Day? My Boxing Day generally starts with um, the barbecue and eggs and ham. On the barbecue you're talking my language keep which, it coming which sort of gets, gets you back into a good bit of thinking order and then you can start preparing for the real friends that are coming for lunch because is there the implication there that your family are not your real friends mom I, if you're listening to this i have, I have to be very, those are Mitch, to be mitch's very, words not mine <laughs> i have to be very careful from here on in <laughs> we've got ham salads we've got barbecued ham steaks ready to go we've got ham and pineapple uh, scrolls. I like to have all the leftovers there. The leftover roast pork. Um, heaven forbid the leftover roast chicken, which there will be leftover roast chicken because there was the ham there to detract from the roast chicken. Um, and that other dry meat, the turkey, that, 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 that'll be leftover as well. So I like to get all those meats that are leftover and my second ham out because the ham all got eaten on Christmas Day. Auxiliary ham. Yeah. Whoa, controversial. The, the, the backup ham. The backup ham. Yeah. I'm seeing like a major raise in your near future, Mitch, for just for the concept of the backup ham. I, I, I'm fanatical about it. I love fresh ham off the bone. And and the part where people are amazing at times, people trim all the fat back. That fat is so creamy and buttery and yum. It's mm. just the, that coupled with the flesh is just perfection. Party time. Absolutely. How do we keep our ham in the best possible nick after we've carved a bit of it off and it's you know a couple of days after a couple of days after new year should we you know not have demolished it all in one go as you said fold the skin back over the ham yep but then keep it in a in a damp a damp handbag or if you haven't got a handbag a tea towel does the same sort of thing yeah but you basically every every i think every day soak your tea towel in a mix of vinegar and water and it just keeps it it keeps it wet keeps it damp so that it keeps the ham the ham moist you don't want to wrap it in plastic and let it sweat it'll it'll last for up to a month in the fridge like that if up to a month fantastic absolutely and they actually freeze quite well as well i hear like if you want to cut the the chunks of ham off the bone yeah you could whack that in the freezer and save it for next tuesday easter whatever 
you can. I wouldn't recommend. I'd prefer yeah. I'd prefer you to eat the ham and buy another ham for next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. After the after the auxiliary ham. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. I actually got a tiny little ham uh, last year. I think it was from um, Vic's Meats. Um, Victor Churchill's. It Here was like in a suckling pig ham. Ooh, it hello. It was crazy good. Just one for the glove box? Yeah, exactly. One for the trip to the shops to buy your bigger ham. Yeah. 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 Emergency ham. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. Thank you, Mitch Edwards. That's been some fantastic ham hacks. Let's party. Thanks for having me, Pat Norse. Nurse. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Gourmet Traveller's Set Menu. And now, Entertaining 101 with Matt Wilkinson and Charlie Gibb. Their new cookbook, Mr. and Mrs. Wilkinson, How It Is at Home, is out now. Mr. and Mrs. Wilkinson's How It Is at Home. Charlie, what's the book about? Does it do what it says on the tin? It's about how we cook and eat at home with our family. So it, um, it gives tips for cooking for time-poor households, um, inspiration for using things in your cupboard, garden, freezer, fridge, um, and just simple recipes that are easy to produce. And it's also, Matt, about how you guys live your lives, like you and Finn and Jay, your your kids, aka the hooligans. Yeah. I think the main part, we got asked this question today, like, well, what would you really want out of the book? I think if a, one person could take one thing away to realise that sat down at a set time and sharing a meal together as, as a family depending on who that is, um, nearly every day, just brings so much more um, warmth and love into into the world and really makes what eating's about. And I th- hopefully throughout the book, through our words and through our recipes, you, you see an insight into how we go about doing that. And we're not perfect. We say in the book we're really not perfect. You know, I love dodgy happy cow cheese, and that's okay. Um, we pick our battles, and it's just, it's just an easy insight to lives of two people that are really good at cooking um, um, and how we do it but two people who come to cooking from quite different directions I guess yeah yeah and you know Charlie cooked at Ballymaloo cooking school in in Ireland um, she's got she I hated it when I first met her it's like she had 10 times the amount of cookbooks than I had and I had a lot so we've got like a lot and we we really do love this industry and we really do love cooking and and we come at it from a lot of a simpler, it's not a holistic element, it's not a wholesome element, it's just really quite real and how we go about doing that at home. What have you learned from writing a book together about each other? That we can do it quite well together. We didn't have any um, arguments and a question that a lot of people have been asking us is, how do you get on cooking in the kitchen? Do you argue? That sort of thing. And um, we don't actually cook in the kitchen together. That would be mad. That'd be crazy. <laughs> It's like part of the terms of the AVO, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's like it's like having two head chefs. It just never really works. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been a head chef, a joint head chef. It, it, like, doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't really yeah. work. Um, Charlie's too bossy. Like, she's the boss. And the kids do prefer, like, Finn, um, after uh, written the second book, I'm like, oh, expecting him to say, you know, you, Dad. I'm like, oh, what's your favourite cookbook? He's like, Jamie Oliver's dad. And I'm like, oh. And then the other day we were walking in and he's like, you know, mum, I do, like, and I'm right next to him. And he's like, you know, mum, I do, I think you're the better cook. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh. But then now he's like, oh, my favourite books are our new book. 
I'm like, good on you. Well done. Yeah. The boys call it our cookbook. <laughs> our so, cookbook. Yeah. How yeah. do you know when you're at a good party? Yes. What, what's some, what are some brilliant entertaining tips that have served yeah. you well? Okay. So I think that the thing is to um, be prepared and kind of have everything organized and ready to go before all the people arrive um, so that you're not kind of spending all the time in the kitchen uh, cooking, but you're with your guests and that's kind of part of the atmosphere, having... Um, um, feeling really um, an, an easy thing and not a chore. Um, do you actually do that? Because I've spent 20 years in magazines telling people to prepare stuff ahead for their party so they can enjoy their company. And I know it works and I know it's a good idea. And nonetheless, I still find myself frequently in the kitchen at parties. Is that no. because you feel more comfortable in the kitchen? Maybe. It's could be because it's yeah. where the fridge is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I think one of those things, like everyone says that, but salads is really the true way to do it. Mm. When everybody arrives, dress it, put it on the table, and then, like, let's just say, take Christmas for example. Like, people really get stressed over Christmas time, and I, I simply don't know why. It's like, have it a bit later, and it's warm in Australia, everywhere in Australia. It's not as if there's a hidden gem pocket where it's cold. Hobart, snowing, Christmas <laughs> <laughs> happens. Um, that the pre-prepared element. We always have like Charlotte's mum always makes this zucchini ribbon dish. She calls it zucchini carpaccio. It's like, oh, that old chestnut's coming out again. <laughs> um, I always make like a rice salad or a grain salad. Charlie always does her summer crostata, so it's all pre-cooked. And then we just have prawns and ham and maybe one thing that might go in a wood fire oven or on the barbecue, like a, a pork shoulder or um, a duck or a piece of fish. Um, and just then just simply enjoy it. Like we, we like people that do traditional especially English style or European um, food at Christmas time, they're crazy. Like, there's nothing enjoyable about eating a hot roast turkey. I'm guessing, though, that at one stage in your, you know, entertaining careers at home, you have been caught up in the insanity. You know, have you ever tried to well, do the... We don't do... We keep it quite simple. So we don't... We're not trying to do, like, two or three courses. We're just doing a shared feast, I, I guess you could say. So... Um, people might come and have drinks, but then we just kind of put all the food down on the table so it's all there together. So we're not kind of having to get up and get the next course and and do that kind of level of detail. But that's suited, I guess, to our family with the kids and eating outside and um, not having a really fancy kitchen either. Like our oven is a piece of crap um, and it's, you know, it doesn't even seal properly. So we can't rely on it to... to to cook so that's why the barbecue probably works better for for bigger groups um I, i'm also part of a recipe club and uh we meet uh every couple of months on the last night of the month and uh someone different hosts at their house and uh whoever hosts chooses the theme and then everyone brings a dish of that theme so that's another way of entertaining is that fun what was the last theme it was a holiday it was at joe moody's house because she was about to go on holidays joe um, being a, a, a colleague of uh charlie's from her time at melbourne food, melbourne wine, food wine festival melbourne food wine festival yeah uh so um i took a um, lemon chicken wings lemon chicken wings that were roasted um we had chips and dips Joe did a prawn dish. I think Tony Tan turned up for a special guest appearance. But in that situation, I think that makes um, it even more easier if other people are bringing dishes. They're just kind of warming them up 
um, or flashing them in the oven when they arrive. And again, they're just everyone's putting their dish down. It's no hassle for the host. Everyone takes their dirty dishes away and that's it. More entertaining time for everyone. That's it for the show today. Make sure you pick up our Christmas issue, which is packed with clever entertaining ideas, on sale now. And with Christmas comes Christmas shopping. If you're on the lookout for the perfect gift for the food lover in your life, check out our pop-up Christmas boutique in Sydney. All the details are at sorrythanksiloveyou.com forward slash gourmet traveller. Thanks for listening.